everyone. Welcome back to another season of Parallel Barkings. Woof, woof. My name is Larry Backer, and I'm here with my puppy. Arf, arf. Ariana Backer. And we are delighted to welcome you to our 2023 season, season four, right? Yes. Yeah, season amazing. four, we made it. We did it. We made it. We, we made it. And of course, there's lots to talk about. The year ended with a bang. And, and <laughs> in a sense, that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, today. Yeah. Uh, and there'll be sure there's sure to be lots and lots of interesting things to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about drones. And we're going to talk about Iranian drones, uh, both the suicide drones, the surveillance drones and the like uh, that have been manufactured in Iran, uh, sent to Russia and then used by the Russians for all kinds of things, including, um, and of course, we, we can only say that it's um, alleged until it's it's actually proven through the the mechanics of national and international law used uh, in a violation of uh, human rights law, humanitarian law, and likely the laws of war, uh, causing great uh, destruction, harm, and and terror. Um, that's well known. What apparently has now been reported uh, and has raised some eyebrows is something that that has been. Uh, a, a subject of increasing concern uh, to the uh, the security services of um, of Western powers and those who are opposed to the the Russian invasion, and that is the way in which ordinary products, uh, everyday products, now appear to be components uh, and used in the building of something that is fairly innocuous. Uh, I can't imagine the, I can't count the number of families that have something like a drone. And then taking this drone and then repurposing it uh, for the purpose of causing uh, great harm, which is cognizable not only in law, but uh, to some extent, uh, substantially immoral. Uh, and, and this is what's going on here. So uh, the, the Ukrainian government apparently uh, was able to take a drone apart uh, that was downed, and, and I think it was downed last fall, and they removed 52 components from, I think it was the Iranian Shahed-136 drone. All of this is reported in CNN. We don't have the original documentation uh, and no shock there. Uh, but as soon as we get our hands on it, we 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 may talk about this some more. So the Shahad-136 drone, uh, and of the 52 components, 40 appear to have been manufactured by 13 American companies. Uh, the remaining 12 were manufactured by companies in Canada, Switzerland, Japan, uh, and uh, in China, uh, as well as in Taiwan, right? And so you put all of these together, no shock, the Chinese, of course, uh, supporting uh, the Russians and now uh, with a, a number, a growing number of uh, mutual trade, uh, friendship and solidarity agreements uh, between China and Iran. Uh, it's not surprising, but at first blush, you would think, well, it's really surprising that a good chunk of the components, uh, 40 uh, probably, you know, close to uh, 90 or so percent of them were, were uh, components that were manufactured uh, by companies whose states uh, have imposed to some greater or lesser extent substantial sanctions uh, and trade restrictions against uh, both Iran, 
uh, into a different, uh, but uh, but substantially perhaps a greater effect, although it's, it's hard to, to quantify which is a greater bundle of sanctions, uh, the Russians, right? And so one begins to worry about this. And, and what it does is bring up, I think, uh, a number of intertwining issues, most of which are, yeah, um, are easier to state than it is than they are to to solve. This isn't one of these uh, discussions where we can say, "Aha! Someone has done something stupid," and it's a simple matter of getting them not to do something stupid uh, in the in compliance with whatever it is that, that we're supposed to be in compliance. Uh, in, in a sense, quite the reverse. So, what do you think? I think that it is no surprise that components, electronic components are going to be found in um, weapons from well, other it's, countries. It's probably not just electronic components. It could be everything, gears, any kind of any kind of components, semiconductors, right. GPS, you right. know, any anything. It's it's not. I mean, right. I'm but sure people are, and... who listen to this podcast have seen Marvel movies and know who Tony Stark is. His, it, it's like it's like that kind of archetype, that trope where some some brilliant mind creates this technology. And it gets into well, the hands of, of of it just gets into it. It's not. It's not. It. It's not even that. It's just you. You get. It raises questions of how far in the supply chain. Um, is a company responsible for monitoring? Right. The regulation of their their products internationally. Um, and it raises, then that raises questions about, um, you know, sovereignty, questions over sovereignty when you, you extend those, those questions over regulations. Um, and then, and then, then you think about, okay, well, if we're regulating there, we have this whole huge idea about, capitalism and freedom oh my god you had to go to the c word you yeah know that's make me crazy well i mean what you, because if it's not it's... me it's going to be someone else oh my god uh that word um, should be purged from the english language because it has not only been so overused but now distorted to the point where it's become a meaningless term but freedom to conduct point. business but that that's what that's... markets markets Mar markets yes markets like the free market. Um, We're not talking about the ownership structure of the means of production. We're talking about the means by which things are made and distributed and sold. But I get your point. But so here's here's my thing. You're absolutely right. And I wish, I wish that we were talking about Tony Stark. But it's much more pathetic than that. That's what makes this story really interesting. We're not talking about Iron Man's suit. Of course, right? these are just really small, not interesting, fun things. These are lawnmowers that kill, right? And that's I mean, the I was problem. trying to make it fun. It's not fun. 
Well, no, it's I know I wish it were Iron Man suits because then it would be much more interesting. You know, the great genius of of um, Western capitalist free market society uh, coming up with these incredibly esoteric and uh, really precious objects, uh, which are then either purloined or cynically uh, sold in a an avaricious market and then wind up as part of these even more elaborate killing machines by these nefarious uh, villains taking us back to the 19. You go to back to Marvel. And because I'm 4,000 years old, I go back to Dr. No and the first set or Goldfinger and the first set of um, of 007 movies with these fabulous and M, right? The old M instead of the new M, although I like the new M too. Uh, right, these, this garden of the fabulous, but it isn't. And that's what, that would be easy because we'd be able to identify that. And in fact, we do, right? So if you've got, you know, highly sophisticated uh, nuclear technology, it's very clear that it's, it is going to be much more difficult for it to wind up in an Iranian drone. But what happens if basically you're selling gears, you're selling drones. And in fact, here's, here's the, 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 the apocryphal scenario, you're selling the same drones or the same drone technology that you find on the catalog of some sad, you know, like almost no tech store that little Bobby or Susie uh, gets for their 10th birthday so that they can stick a camera on it and then zoom around the neighborhood taking pictures, right? But all of a sudden, that's what you have. The Iranians then come in, and as far as we know, either through Chinese technology or Russian technology or the Russians themselves, will then add value, something like a bomb or explosives. And then all of a sudden, something that's innocuous like this, which is now used this way, now becomes something that is, um, that, that's deadly. But it raises a problem that you raise, and that's what makes it both more pathetic and more difficult. Right. How do you how the how do you in in reality in actuality how do you track that in your Well, how do you know what to track? It's a product. First question. Exactly. How do you know what to track? Right? What? So are you going to track gears? These are components. We're not even selling drones. That's yeah, what thing. is it that you are looking for first? Right. I mean, How do you, you know, know what to look for? It could be even for. worse. It could be even worse. What happens if what you have are the nuts and bolts, literally the screws were manufactured in Taiwan or um, or in uh, in Japan, right? And the molding for the drones were bought as, as um, just parts. Uh, all of them are replacement parts uh, for... Uh, five or six different models of drones that you can get all over Europe, the U.S., Japan, Latin America, and and Africa, right? Um, how do you deal with that? Worse, what happens if all of these components are being sold in Zimbabwe, right? And once they're sold, there's an active secondary market, and Iranians will go down to the markets in Zimbabwe or Tanzania or Bolivia. Well, that's uh, what I'm and, saying. The secondary, right. the tertiary markets, right. are, are you... Are the companies responsible for tracking those as well, and then the final products afterward? Uh, figuring out they would the the final product would have to be tracked. That's right. The that's final the only way. Yeah, but this links up to two things. 
that is worth noting because there is an architecture to deal with this. The problem is this, this really shows the limiting case. And here we're about to see this enormous clash between three different regulatory regimes, all of which are precious to liberal democracy, right? And to the, the stability of a rules-based international order. The first, right, is uh, the, the principles of globalization, which is founded on and which derives its strength from the notions that at least with respect to innocuous goods, right, there ought to be a robust set of mechanisms to foster free movement of goods, of capital and investment in them so that all peoples everywhere could benefit from all of those goods and then ultimately global collective welfare will uh, increase. That had been the genius behind what becomes the, the system of globalization put into force in 1945 and then go and then ramped up after 1989 and with its apogee in the second decade of the century. And then, you know, all hell's broken loose and we don't know what's going on. But the, the, the idea is still there. So you got this, which is all open especially with respect to what we viewed as innocuous goods. And the notion is then, well, there'll probably be these classes of goods where uh, sovereignty, like you said, sovereignty and national security may require you to be more judicious in allowing them into these global flows, right? And that had been the idea. So that's very narrow, globalization is very big. But after 2015, 20, well, after 2001, and then it ramps up after 2010, Right. We have another set of regimes. What is human rights regimes? Right. And human rights regimes are ones in which we've effectively increasingly governmentalized the private sector, especially enterprises. And we've told them, look, you bear a responsibility, both with respect to your internal operations and with respect to your products to ensure that to the extent of your ability to control this or to foresee where things are going are going to go bad, you have an obligation to ensure uh, uh, to prevent its misuse or to prevent uh, acting in ways that are human rights um, uh, uh, harming, or to mitigate if you can't prevent, and in any case to remedy these these harms. And uh, and uh, you know, and that's a general view. But in the case of the Russo-Ukrainian war, uh, it becomes far far more. Uh, targeted when you add to it the notion of complicity, that your responsibility extends not just for minding your own house, but for being aware that and being aware about how your products, your labor, your location, your actions and activities, your financing will either facilitate a state or other groups with whom you're dealing or in whose country you are operating will commit human rights wrongs including gross uh, violations of human rights, the laws of war. Well, right, and that's life. why I was bringing, right. I, I'm glad or, you said that. That's why right. I was bringing up the fact that it would be incredibly difficult to track these. Right, right, but it gets more complicated. Let me just finish okay. the last Okay, 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 okay. Is facilitation, you got human rights and facilitation and complicity, which then gives rise to both legal risk in, in a very narrow set of cases, but uh, in a broader case, 
Uh, and we've seen this operation operating in the financial markets. The Norwegian Sovereign Wealth Fund has been somewhat energetic in, in uh, doing this in private markets. It says, look, if you are effectively, if the effect of what you're doing facilitates the commission of these human rights wrongs, in this case, around selling drones to Russia, which are then uh, going to be used to kill indiscriminately uh, Ukrainian civilians, then you're responsible for that as well. So you've got, on the one hand, globalization, openness, uh, especially innocuous products. On the other, human rights, which says you got to worry about the effects. And then the third one, which, which ultra complicates this, is that increasingly we've used human rights and the stake part of globalization to punish states, this is state versus state, to punish states that we believe are violating the rules-based international order through systems of targeted sanctions, the global Magnitsky regimes, which has been adopted outside the US. Uh, so we'll target people, we will target, sometimes we'll target states, and we will sanction. And by sanctioning, we will either make uh, access to global markets uh, difficult, or if not impossible, and we've done that with the Russians and the Iranians, or we will target specific people and make their access impossible, or we'll freeze their assets. But it also has another component, and that is anyone in or subject to control of the sanctioning state will then violate law by doing whatever it is to violate the sanctions rule. In the case of Iran and uh, Russia, it would be engaging in, among other things, economic transactions with respect to a slew of, of, uh, of product. Now you put all three together and you have innocuous products and you go, oh, wow, we got a loophole here. Not only a loophole, not a, a hole, not a loophole, a gap. But how do you plug this gap without disturbing this uh, this delicate balance between right globalization which goes in one vector human rights which goes in another vector and sanctions and sanctions regimes as part of intergovernmental relations you know and the third thing and that's a very very delicate thing to do so what do we do no more killer lawnmowers mm. Right. So the first thing you're going to say is, well, this is bad. No more drones. OK, no. well, one, <laughs> no, that is not what I'm going to say. Well, I mean, that would be my right. If I wasn't thinking the first thing I would say is, OK, so drone, American components, bad, uh, Iran, worse for supplying it, Russia, even worse for using them. So the easy way is to not allow this to happen. But that may require then Johnny and uh, Susie and Belinda to no longer be able to use their drones to spy on their neighbors. I'm sorry, they don't do that. To uh, yeah, and that, yeah, that, that is unrealistic. Also, that this is just not not going right. to happen. And and if it wasn't, I mean, they could find technology. Right, but it's lawnmowers. It's not even the technology. This is the kind of stuff that you can make anywhere. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not the U.S. It's somewhere else. It and right and yet, right? American components, Japanese, Swiss components, Canadian components are being used. So how do you block that? There is a way, I guess, but it's a it's a. <laughs> this also Stop has globalization. I mean. Well, no, to some extent, what you'd have to do is is seal Iran off. 
Okay, but you're really, you're really concentrating. You're you're really concentrating on one country, but this this applies to all all countries across the world when when parts components of you know a company's making are used for you know what ones are you know innocuous products and then you know so i don't see how well i mean doing it but, but that's my solution the the only way you can deal with this then is on a country basis iran bad so what we're going to do is hype up or hop up our sanctions program to effectively say no products uh, made or under the control of American companies uh, can be sold directly to the Iranians. But you're right. We have a globalized system. Fine. I'm not going to sell them directly to Iran. But what happens if I sell them to Zimbabwe? And the next thing I know, the biggest customer of all of these innocuous products in Zimbabwe is are the Iranians or the Russians. Yeah. Right. And then it goes up. Yeah, then you, but you're going to wind up sanctioning everyone. And in a sense, what you're going to do is you're going to do, in a, in, in a way, precisely what the Americans, uh, what do we call them, competitors, uh, want Americans to do is to use an overreaction to using sanctions and, um, and human rights to effectively seize up or dismantle the system of globalization. Well, right. It's isolating ourselves and... Right, right. And, and so that's what I said before. Do you want right. to stop globalization? Is that what we do? Well, right, right, exactly right. So I'm underlining your point with some more detail. So how do you get out from doing this? How to avoid killer, killer robots or killer lawnmowers. <laughs> now, killer robots are easy. Killer lawnmowers, or in this case, killer drones. And I think the answer is you can't, because if we stop making them, um, certainly the Chinese and North Koreans, uh, and anyone else can, uh, this is yeah, this, this is isn't something you can stop. And I can't. Right. I'm now, being a little pessimistic here, but I, I really right. don't understand why people are surprised. Well, but you can be a little more legalistic. So for example, if in fact you can trace the killer part of the killer drones to Iran, then we would either have to reinterpret or include uh, provisions either in international criminal law uh, or in national Absolutely. law that, that, that creates liability at some point, assuming you can ever prove this Absolutely. and you can get their assets. For uh, sure. Right, which is a long drawn out process it took how many decades to bring the Pol Pot regime in Cambodia to justice? Mm -hmm. uh, they, you know, it, it took almost a generation to sort out the the Yugoslavian uh, breakup and the the gross human rights violations that occurred there. And in compared to this stuff, that was just a warm up. Uh, and so the answer may be that we, in in the first instance, there's not much you can do. But at some point. Ought there not to be responsibility and therefore liability in someone? But if it's in someone, for sure, who... there absolutely needs to be. I don't think we have the technology for understanding or getting to that that detail yet. 
I think somebody should, I think we should develop it, I think, or maybe we do, and we're just not um, willing to dedicate the effort or manpower directly for that purpose. Yeah, or it may be too early, and this is, I mean, here's the problem with the prevent, mitigate, and remedy uh, thing. We're getting so used to seeing or putting most of our eggs in the prevention bucket that we're becoming increasingly reluctant to realize that there may be instances where, um, and this is understood in the UN Guiding Principles for Business and Human Rights, there may well be those situations where prevention is impossible, where mitigation is unlikely to be very effective, and then the only thing you have is remedy mm. after the fact. And, and in a sense, that's what the Ukrainians have been doing since the start of the invasion. They're documenting everything. There's lots of things they can't prevent, but if they can document, gather evidence, and then they take this evidence along, uh, they're being helped by uh, civil society elements from all over the place, and then move the evidence, preserve it outside of the combat zone, there will come a moment at some point when one ought to be able to assert a remedial power against those who use this, right? But then the question is, and so here's my question to you, if we do this, ought you to be able to drag into this the uh, component manufacturers from the US, Canada, Japan, Switzerland, Taiwan, or China? Or is this an Iranian uh, and Russian liability? No, it's not just, I mean, I was thinking this is a, this is a responsibility for companies that this should be a, a, a corporate social responsibility for them yes. to track their own um, supply chain. They should track the lineage into of, the secondary, into the secondary markets. This is life cycle tracking. And what you're saying, by the way, has been floated uh, by a number of civil society organizations and has been considered uh, by a number of, uh, of organizations that, that have uh, rulemaking capacity, this life cycle tracking. I don't know, that that's really hard. That's really, really difficult. And that's what I was talking about, the technology to do that. Right. Only, only if... So you'd be you'd have to track everything, including bolts, nuts. Um, yeah, I mean metal. If wires, I mean, if we if the technology is prohibitively, if if we're just not there yet, basically, and and we. I just don't know if it makes sense to go to the secondary markets, but I think eventually if we can make it pragmatic, if we can make it um, easier, um, make a tool basically not, not excruciating, I think it- You mean expensive and complicated. Exactly. Um, okay. I, I think it is definitely something that companies should and uh, could be responsible okay. for doing. 
That's really interesting. So let's assume by some miracle, um, because the last two centuries have been miraculous centuries in terms of technological innovation. So I wouldn't be surprised if someday we don't get there in an efficient way. Let's assume you can do that. In order to get to where you're going, and I can track this all the way through secondary markets at, at any number of levels, right? So you can trace this through the hands of five or six or seven or eight transactions. <clears throat> well, it doesn't mean that you're responsible for what happens in those markets. Okay. You might Thanks. be responsible for notifying. Ah, there, bullseye. Thank you. There you go. So because if you do more than that, now you've got a big problem because to the extent that companies continue to have responsibility for that, then you've undone the essence of the market, which is once you negotiate a, a, a thing, you sell a wire, you sell a bolt, you no longer have control. Yeah, absolutely. Right? You can't build contacts no. and say, oh, you know, thank you for using the nail to build this cabinet, which now contains a, 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 some kind of bomb. But now I need that nail back because I know that I can I can trace it to the cabinet that now has a bomb. And so pull that nail out and give it back to me. That's impossible given the way in which uh, virtually every country on earth has structured ownership. But you hit the nail on the head. The point is not control. The point is information. Exactly. I mean, I look at it kind of like... Um... <laughs> the securities administration, kind of like how um, they do checks on um, people uh, randomly. If if you're signing up, let's say you're signing up for a loan, you'll or credit like a credit check. You'll be your your information will be run up against databases. Um, and you, those databases will run your information across other um, databases that will search to see if you um, hit any um, red flags, basically. So mm -hmm. that's that's um, kind of that's kind um, of like what. Um, what those um, notifications would be. Wow, wow. So we stand in markets, every human being stands naked before the the great information vacuum suck. Well, there not really. No those private, are those are more like like there's no privacy. Financial. There's, there's, yeah. Those are financial red flags, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not talking financial red flags in order to do what you suggest, which is really the only effective way of doing this. We essentially have to be naked. Uh, every every item that is negotiated everywhere, and then you'd have to figure out at what level you don't do it, but then you will create a gap, has to be sucked up into some kind of uh, big data mechanism, which is yet to be, I think, although who knows, uh, invented that through the analytics of which you're able to pop up whatever it is you think you need in order to get whatever information you need for whatever purposes you need it. And the you by you, I mean, the state or some other kind of governance body. Yeah. Right? But wow, if I were a business, this sounds really cool, but you're going to run up against problems beyond privacy. That's going to make at least some people crazy. Although we may have crossed that bridge a while ago. You've got other issues. 
tax exposure. So now you're exposing everything. Um, <laughs> tax exposure, um, exposure to information is information. And while it's easy and, and you know, the compelling reason is you want to avoid uh, components in Iranian drones that kill people, you can also use this information for all kinds of other things, controlling flows of products, controlling their distribution, mm -hmm. managing, effectively managing markets so that, or disrupting them. Right. To some greater, some greater ends. And that may be in some ways as bad mm -hmm. if you prize individual autonomy as uh, finding some wires, bolts, uh, nuts, and, and other things uh, in in um, in drones that have been repurposed by yeah, that's a great point. You have to risk. I mean, weigh the risk over um, reward. I don't really want to say reward, but the the benefit, 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 the benefit. God, we're learning to speak administrative. <laughs> right, but interesting set of problems. And and of course, I certainly have no solution to this other than to to see it. Um, and we should have seen this coming. I mean, how many TV shows have we seen? Worship. This is this is like uh, a horrible episode of Evil MacGyver. Yeah, like MacGruber. MacGruber. That's right. There isn't an innocuous thing on Earth that cannot be repurposed to do something. Explode. Uh, you know, or, and sometimes for good, uh, but sometimes for not good. <laughs> uh, and, and that may ultimately require us not to rethink markets, uh, but to rethink the way in which um, the effects of markets can be not managed, but overseen in a way to protect ultimately the integrity of the market in the face of very deeply uh, held values mm -hmm. like peace, human rights, yeah. uh, stability, prosperity, and the like, whatever whatever the, the, the collective uh, is on that. Right. Uh, and that's, that is what we can do now is begin to identify the, the contours of this problem. But I think beyond that, we <laughs> this is going to be a very interesting thing, and it is likely to require some very high-end uh, analytics and some very high-end uh, computing and uh, the willingness to to deal honestly with core conceptual issues. Agreed. And beyond that, I got nothing. <laughs> I think this was a great choice for a first topic for our fourth season. Um, first, Watch. first fourth season episode. That that Watch was those done. killer lawnmowers. <laughs> We're Thanks. laughing. Three days from now, there's going to be some article in Reuters about how they've repurposed lawnmowers as movable landmines or something. You, I don't know. Yeah. See, well, I mean, it's no joke because they no longer allow people to bring um, anything on airplanes and you only are allowed plasticware when eating. So I, I would believe anything at this point. Well, depending on what class of ticket you got. Oh, wow. I don't even want to hear it. You pause. That's another podcast. That's another man. podcast. All right. <laughs> All Thanks, right. everyone. Bark, bark. We'll see you later. <laughs> Bye.